When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. on this Thursday afternoon, Mississippi State has announced its plans to honor late head coach Mike Leach. The university will host a public memorial service honoring the life of Leach at 1 o'clock on Tuesday, December 20th inside Humphrey Coliseum on campus. And he's back. Bobby Petrino returning to the FBS ranks as offensive coordinator at UNLV under new head coach Barry Odom. Petrino had been the head coach at Missouri State for the past three seasons. And one of the top quarterbacks in the Big Ten is the latest to say no thank you to bowl season. Senior Purdue quarterback Aiden O'Connell will skip the cheese at Citrus Bowl against LSU on January 2nd. O'Connell intends to enter the 2023 NFL Draft instead. And Drew Brees will help with the coaching transition at Purdue, serving as assistant coach for the Boilermakers as they get set for the cheese at Citrus Bowl. Brees was hired as a countable assistant. That means he can work with athletes as well as participate in recruiting. And in breaking news in this Thursday afternoon, the NCAA has tapped Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker as its next president, succeeding Mark Emmert. Baker is a Republican who's been governor since January 2015. He will wrap up his second term in January and set to start his new post on March 1st. Baker is a graduate of Harvard University, where he was a member of the men's varsity basketball team. He also holds an NBA from Northwestern. Baker represents the first NCAA leader who does not have a background in college athletics or higher education. College football insider Pete Thamel break the news and joins us now. Pete, let's start with the question as to why the NCAA believes Baker is the right man for the job. Wendy, obviously the landscape's really shifted in college athletics and uh, with the advent of name, image, and likeness, uh, there's been some outreach to Washington and some need for some political help and muscle. Uh, Charlie Baker is a two-term governor of Massachusetts and a prominent businessman before that as the head of Harvard Pilgrim brings a diverse skill set that includes a lot of getting things done. And quite frankly, Mark Emmert didn't get much done for the past decade as the president of NCA. So Charlie Baker is inexperienced but highly competent. And can he be a bridge to Washington to help some common sense solutions to be put forth on NIL is, is the big question going forward. We know the landscape continues to be fluid, Pete, and, and the NCAA will have to look and behave a lot differently than it has previously. What in particular will be some of the challenges that Baker faces? Yeah, I think he has two huge challenges, Wendy, that I'm not sure he can overcome. One is that the NCAA has significantly declined in influence as an organization. There's a real existential question to how powerful that presidential position is. 
Mark Emmert was both ineffective and eventually inert and basically didn't do anything for the last five years he was in office of any significance. And so Charlie Baker has to re-energize that office. The people at the NCA have really just had all the energy sucked out of it. That, that whole office was just vampired of all its juice. And the second thing is the single most important contract that Charlie Baker inherits from Mark Emmert is an abject disaster. The NCA tournament contract that Emmert signed and he, he basically, eight years early, extended out the NCAA tournament contract until 2032. It's already vastly out of market, and it's essentially going to end up costing the NCAA billions because Emmert made the decision to move forward and re-up it far before it went to market. So right now, he has a relevancy yeah. issue and a financial issue that are facing him first. Pete, having been privy to that contract, I can tell you abject disaster is certainly not an understatement. Uh, thank you. We'll continue to follow this. Uh, I'm joined now by Sam Acho and Stanford Steve. Again, the news this afternoon that Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker will take over in March as the president of the NCAA. Sam, we don't have to talk about this ad nauseum because we have a lot to learn still. But is it possible to underestimate how the NCAA has changed or will need to change in the wake of name image likeness? Well, no, so much has changed, and specifically as a former college athlete uh, who wasn't a part of NIL, now a guy who spends a lot of time around college athletes and athletics, you want a, someone who's going to lead an organization that, yes, makes laws that aren't state by state but nationwide, but also that doesn't limit or cap the ability for players to earn off of their name, image, and likeness. So I'd understand as a player, hey, I get it want to have nationwide law so I don't go to this school because I can't get NIL in one place. But the other side is, hey, well, we understand, like, there's an opportunity for players to be able to make money off of their image, and I think that should be uh, that should continue to be at the forefront. We are no doubt going to have to continue to evolve. Baker, by the way, still governor of Massachusetts. He concludes his second term in January. will take over the NCAA in March. One of the things he'll be facing, of course, is collegiate expansion and the changing of conference alignment. And you can file this under, finally, the UC Regents have approved UCLA's decision to move to the Pac-12 to the Big Ten in 2024. This came after months of discussions uh, once the school announced that was its intention. We're joined now by Paolo Ugetti, who's been covering this. And although the UC Regents said, OK, you can go ahead and go, Paolo, they did so with some contingencies. What were they? Yeah, this has been a long process, right? It felt like leading up to the meeting that UCLA was not going to get to go without any sort of contingencies or any sort of conditions. And, you know, they were, UCLA had said they were prepared to spend $10 million on ad additional resources for student athletes to make the move better, right? And the regions came back and said, actually, we want you to spend 11 to $12 million. So that was one of the contingencies. And these resources are going for, you know, nutritional, uh, you know, health, mental health. It's all going to go to try to make the experience for the athletes better. But really, the big story is this so-called Berkeley tax, where as, as Cal, having, Cal and UCLA being sister schools, UCLA will have to pay a subsidy to Cal, ranging anywhere from $2 million to $10 million after the pact, if it gets a media deal. Because we talked to uh, Rich Light, who is the chair yesterday, and he said Berkeley was hit hard. Berkeley was affected by this move from UCLA to the Big Ten. So it's really going to come down to UCLA to make Berkeley not whole, but at least make the situation for them better. Uh, we know this will continue to evolve. Also, what's this mean for the Pac-12, Paolo, in terms of expansion and realignment? I mean, where, where do they stand when the dust settles? 
Yeah, this is where it gets fascinating, right? I mean, George Klavkov, the commissioner, spoke in Vegas recently and said, we're waiting for this decision, and then we're going to go pursue a media deal in 2023. And really, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how much Cal gets from that subsidy, right? Because it's almost like if the deal is not as good as they expected with USC and UCLA in the conference, Cal will get more. So it's going to be a lot of pressure on George Klavkov and the Pac-12 to get a good uh, media deal that way, you know, Cal gets less money in that sense, right? And then after that, he said, after that, we're going to consider expansion. We're going to explore expansion. So for the Pac-12, it's really going to come down to what does their media deal look like? And then who can they get to replace UNC, USC and UCLA? So it's an, it's an evolving thing. And you can expect the Pac-12 to, to be aggressive in trying to bring more teams to their conference. Yeah, they really have no choice. It's a game of musical chairs. Paolo, thank you. Steve, uh, look, we can talk about the money and the numbers and, and who lands where, and all of that is very important. But I think college football fans want to know, hey, you know what? What does this mean for me? What's this mean for me as a fan of my team? Yeah, it's unfortunate, Wendy. You know, I went to the Maryland and UCLA basketball game last night. That's going to be a Big Ten game. I still can't get my mind around that. But when I think about UCLA, having to, I got a chance to play there as a player, you know, visiting team. It's always awesome to go down to L.A. You stay in a nice hotel. The experience of playing in the Rose Bowl, playing in the Coliseum, that's gone for those teams in the Pac-12, which is just, again, the, the word I keep coming up with is unfortunate. It is, it's the experience of a lifetime. No Pac-12 team playing regular season games in the Rose Bowl. Basketball teams not being able to go play in Pauley Pavilion anymore. That that's where it comes down. It's just it just it stinks. It really does being a school that looked at UCLA as a rival and all the other schools that looked up to UCLA and having a chance to go there and win, it's all gone now. Yeah, we've said from the get-go to keep in mind that these rivalries will be one of the things uh, that will be diminished, certainly yeah. in college football, college basketball as well. And just a reminder of what the Pac-12 is, is losing. As a conference, they've won a share of nine national championships. Eight of those, by the way, have been won by either UCLA or USC. Meanwhile, still to come on College Football Live, it was a season of upheaval and upsets. And some of the best games of the year were unexpected. We'll revisit these lopsided losses one more time. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. To say we didn't expect it would be a lie. I've been doubted a lot because of my size. You put your mind to it, you can do it. I don't really have anything to prove to anybody. I just believe I'm the best guy out there. One, two, three, let's go! Welcome to the college football playoffs.
J.J. McCarthy and Max Duggan are both looking to lead their teams to the title despite not beginning the season as the starter. But it's worth noting that among the first eight national champions in the playoff era, half of them started multiple quarterbacks. This does not even include Alabama in 2017 when Tua Tagovailoa came off the bench in the national title game. It's time for our weekend wake up brought to you by Wendy's Breakfast. There are 43 bowl games this season. And it all starts tomorrow. You can catch the first two on ESPN. Miami of Ohio taking on UAB in the Bahamas Bowl, followed by the ranked showdown between UTSA and Troy in the Cure Bowl. All right, guys, we've got 43 to choose from, so not having an answer is not okay. Sam Macho, let's talk about an under-the-radar bowl you've got your eye on. I'm so excited about the bowl that we just saw on our screen, the Cure Bowl, UTSA versus Troy, two 11-win teams. But more importantly, you got a quarterback at UTSA named Frank Harris who's coming back for his seventh year. He's been through so many injuries over his career, was benched early on, found his way to get the starting spot, and all of a sudden you, he's leading an offense that's number nine in the nation in scoring, that's top 15 in ne nearly every other category. This offensive ex is explosive. A few weeks back, they were down big, down 21, found a way to come back and win. And so the, UT the UTSA Roadrunners Conference USA champions, that's the team I'm most excited about seeing. Yes, the players on the field, but their coach Jeff Trailer as well, one of the best coaches in Texas high school. Now he's a great coach in college. I couldn't agree with you more, Sam. I look at that game, and I just – you don't get that with our bowl layout the way it is. We have two conference champions playing against each other, both ranked and really good programs. You talked about UTSA. I'll talk about Troy. I love what Coach Summerall has done in his first year at Troy. When you think about coaches, we you know, all these names and the high-flying guys that have creative offenses come in and take over these jobs. Summerall did it differently. They've come in and dominated with defense. And that's the best part about the matchup is you talk about that high-flying roadrunner offense. I'm excited to see how the uh, Detroit defense comes to play against that offense in that game. Fantastic matchup Friday. Steve, it's the holiday season. People have time off. They're at home watching football, and they want to know. So I'll ask you the best bowl game to bet. Well, it's really tough nowadays, Wendy. We talked about the beginning with new NCAA president, but the biggest problem with bowl season, who's playing? Like, you don't even know who's, you know, going to the games until these teams get to their the, the, the site of the bowl because of guys opting out, injuries, transfers, what have you. But I do look at the game with NC State and uh, Maryland. And Maryland's in a predicament where last year they were super motivated to go play in the pinstripe bowl, had everybody on board, and they went and rolled Virginia Tech, who was a team that was in flux with transfers and a coaching change. But I look at Maryland in this spot. It doesn't seem like they're as motivated this year. They have uh, Rock Jarrett, best wide receiver on the team. He opted out. Dem Demas, the other best receiver, he opted out. So I look at NC State as a team that overcame a ton of adversity this year and playing four quarterbacks with, that started with the injury to Devin Leary. So I look at NC State as a more motivated team when they square off, and I would take NC State in that game. All right, fair enough, Stephen. You're right. With these guys opting out, it makes it almost impossible. There were 10 spread upsets of at least 20 points in the regular season. The largest was Middle Tennessee's win over Miami. They were a 25-and-a-half-point underdog. Georgia Tech pulled off a pair of 20-point upsets under former interim, now full-time head coach, Brant Key. All right, Sam Acho, your top three upsets of the season. You know everybody loves these. What you got? Oof. 
Well, number one for me has got to be Georgia Southern over Nebraska. That was one of those moments where you're watching, you're saying, what is going on? I remember in the fourth quarter, it seemed like Nebraska wasn't making any plays. Georgia Southern was. That was the first moment for me. Number two, I'm going to go Marshall over Notre Dame. Another one of those moments where you're watching this game, you're saying, this is Notre Dame. This is Marshall. What is happening? And that, so that was like one of the biggest upsets for me. And then the last one, which you could argue that it's higher, but I won't. I'm going to go Tennessee over Alabama. Seminal moment in college football where you're watching a Tennessee team that hasn't been able to beat Alabama all of a sudden on a field goal that kind of sputtered and found its way over. Found a way to win. Head and Hooker played outstanding and Tennessee won against Alabama. Those are my top three upsets of the year. Great list, Sam. Got a couple teams that are similar, but I'm going to go number one, Stanford going to South Bend and beating Notre Dame. That game makes absolutely no sense. We'll look back at that and look at Stanford season and Notre Dame season and say, how did Stanford play and win that game? Number two <laughs> is, is South Carolina against Tennessee because I just think about all that happened in that game. You couldn't have a thing better. With all the recruits South Carolina had, they ran out of fireworks. You know, because they uh, how many points they scored. And then it ended up hurting Tennessee as far as the playoff you know, goes. They would have had a chance maybe down the stretch if they didn't get that loss. And then the third one is another score that makes no sense to me. But I want to give New Mexico State some love here. They were a 24-point underdog going to Liberty the last game of the season, knowing a bowl game was a possibility with a win. They rolled Liberty 49-14. Those are my three. I mean, those are all good, guys. I, I, I think the barometer has to be whose goalpost ended up in the river, okay? And there was only one that I know of, so I, you got to take Tennessee over Alabama. But uh, what a season it has been. Uh, as I mentioned before, it is, of course, it's bowl season. It's also the holiday season, which means it's time to do a little gift giving, and we're going to do that. College football, the gift that keeps on giving, and we'll put a bow on this just for you up next. And we're back. And I, I, I grant you, Steve, it may not be the Heisman, but we think our end-of-season awards are pretty good also. I think so. Let's start uh, with Surprise Team of the Year. Surprise Team of the Year, Wendy. UConn Huskies, the job that Jim Mora did this year for a team that won four games from 2018 to 21 and turn around and make their first bowl game in seven years is just tremendous. Came out of nowhere. The only person that believed this was possible was Jim Mora. And that's a credit to him. They are the surprise team of the year. Next, coach of the year. This was tough, but I got to go with Mike Elko at Duke. Duke was brutal last year. Didn't win one ACC game. Mike Elko goes from 0-8 in the ACC in, 20, in 2021 to an 8-4 record this year. Good enough for a bowl game, and now, of course, winning five games in the ACC. That's my coach of the year for that turnaround, Mike Elko. Best comeback player of the year, Mo Ibrahim. What he did in coming back from that eight Achilles injury in week one, everybody was watching of the 21 season against Ohio State. To come back and do what he did was just tremendous. Not, not great quarterback play, whole new offensive line. Mo Ibrahim was the comeback player of the year for sure for me. All right, Steve, not bad. Next game of the year. I know it's the same day as Alabama and Tennessee, 
but this game was completely nuts. I think it really put on the stage for Caleb Williams. They got out to a lead. Utah came back. Dalton Kincaid with maybe the performance of the year, 16 catches, 234 yards. Utah-USC part one is my game of the year. And the best moment of the year, because I think it was the most critical, was TCU getting this field goal off against Baylor. Time running down. It's a situation that everybody, every team practices in their Friday walkthrough, but I don't think fans realize it. So I think the fans were in awe about that, that comeback win, but it, seeing how much it meant, that's the moment of the year for me because that ultimately got T TCU into the playoff. Yeah, you know what, Steve? I'm not sure I would have chosen that on a first pass, but you're, you know, when, I, when you look at it, you're absolutely right. Now that we know what transpired after the fact, yeah. what we got, oh dear, what, what have we here? I don't know. I hear sleigh bells. Could it be a Santa Claus? Oh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Why, thank you, Santa. I've got some gifts I'd like to give out. I've been on my sleigh, and I've just arrived back in College Football Live. And the first gift I'd like to give out for all the college football fans is a first-class ticket for Hendon Hooker to New York City. He belonged in the Heisman Trophy. I know he didn't make it, but Hendon Hooker, this is for you. Maybe you'll get drafted to a team in New York. <laughs> Second, I'd like to give this gift right here to Max Duggan. It's a first aid kit. Max Duggan, as you know, has been in a lot of injuries and he's got bloodied up in the championship game, but he's gonna be playing a tough Michigan defense in this first aid kit. Maybe I shouldn't tell you what it is because it's wrapped up, but this is for you, Max Duggan. The, the next gift I'd like to give out. I'd like to give this gift out to our friends, uh, Shane Beamer. This is an orange scarf for Shane Beamer. You had a couple big wins against a couple teams that wear orange, Mr. Beamer. And so uh, this gift is gonna be for you. We'll special deliver it on Rudolph's red nose reindeer. The next gift I'd like to give. It's gonna be a, a Chick-fil-A themed gift, if you don't mind. Bo Nix, this is gonna be for you. I know you had so many, 14 rushing touchdowns and 27 passing touchdowns, but you also provided Chick-fil-A to all your friends in Oregon that didn't have it. This is gonna be Chick-fil-A for one year, free for you, Mr. Nix. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas. My that, that, next that's gift that's is gonna go oh, no, to Drake May. Uh, no, hold on, Santa Claus is not finished. Drake May is gonna get a gift. Chip Lindsey, he's your new offensive coordinator. He's wrapped up in this box. He's gonna help you get more offense and maybe win a Heisman Trophy next year. Ho, ho, ho. And last but not least, I'm not sure if this is last, but I need one more gift. Let's, let's see, Santa's helpers and elves, give me a gift over here. Aha, the prize. Penn State, this is for you. This is a trip to the Rose Bowl. Congratulations, you had to have a couple chips fall in your way, and they did, and you will be headed to the coveted Rose Bowl. Ho, ho, ho. Okay, all right, nice oh, work, Merry Santa. Christmas, Listen, everyone. bowl season begins in the Bahamas. We've got Miami of Ohio taking on UAB. At 11.30 Eastern, Joey Galloway, of course, drawing the long straw. He's already there. And luckily, he's not <laughs> in a helpers. You gotta quiet down, guys. wrapped up like that dude Sam talked about because that would be bad, Santa. I guess he has holes punched in there. Uh -oh. But anyway, uh, happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> Enjoy bowl season. We'll see you soon. Someone's